0: The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah, run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Welcome to
1: Beside Still Waters. Blue Sky Chronicles begins with Jesus coming out of Nazareth. Nazareth was a no-named town. In fact, we learn a little later on in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ that one of the disciples, uh, when he heard that another, one of his uh, fellow potential disciples found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, he said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Well, we learned that uh, Joseph and the family, having heard that Herod's son uh, was now governor, uh, he went away into the parts of Galilee and came and dwelt in a town called Nazareth, so that it should be fulfilled, which was spoken through the prophet, he shall be called a Nazarean. And so God is always challenged to keep the delicate details of his word accurate and cause it to come to pass. We are told that the word of God will never return to him void. It will always accomplish what he sets it out to do. And so now, quite a few years have passed. And the Lord Jesus is about 30 years of age. And we are told in the third chapter of Matthew that in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of the heavens has drawn near. And I want you to to look at what is about to unfold from God's perspective. You see, God is sovereign. He works in the realm of men. He causes things to come to pass. He makes it come to pass, or he allows it to come to pass. But either way, he is the cause, the starting point. And nothing happens in this moral universe apart from the command or the allowance of God. I know it is difficult to see that sometimes. We see circumstances, tragedies, difficulties, upheavals in nations, in towns, in lives. And we cannot explain the rhyme or reason for it. And so now the ministry of the Son of God, God incarnate, is about to begin. And what we see is God is yet moving. Because we are told in those days comes John the Baptist. If you recall, when the disciples were on the lake and a storm was stirred, they left Jesus on the other side praying when he told them to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And the storm, having arisen, was threatening the lives of the disciples. And they saw Jesus coming to them, walking on the water. And one notable disciple, that is Peter, had the presence of mind and the strength of faith to recognize it was the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that storm he said, Lord, if it is you, bid me come. Here is a man beholding the Son of God Who appears to be to him just a man, defying the very laws of nature and walking on the water in the midst of a storm. The storm powerless, the winds powerless, the waters powerless and under his complete command and control such that he can take a stroll in the midst of the storm walking on the water. And so Peter had the presence of mind to say, if it is you, command me to come. And all Jesus said was, come. And so we see the Son of God in the storm commanding a man to come forth and do the impossible, not because there was any power in that man, but the power resided in God, clothed in flesh. Similarly, John the Baptist comes. But John comes because he has been commanded to come. We learn of John the Baptist that he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his womb. In fact, when Mary, being pregnant, visited her cousin Elizabeth, and Elizabeth hearing the sound of Mary's voice, and John the Baptist in her womb, leapt for joy. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his womb. God was in control yet again. And God called this mighty prophet who performed no miracles. But he was a man devoted and holy, set apart to God completely without reserve. And God, from the vantage point of sovereignty, of possessing all power, all knowledge, all wisdom, and ability, and presence, commands John to come. And when John came, he was preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now, he didn't say in the city of Judea or in the towns of Judea. He was a wilderness man, So you wonder, how can God use this man who is out in the wilderness, who made his meal to be locusts and wild honey? And his only message, his key point, was repentance because now the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, has come near. Now, they looked around and they couldn't see the kingdom. But the Son of God, the God-man, the very second person of the Trinity, clothed in human flesh, human form, is now on the scene. And John is preparing the way for the Son of God to be revealed to the whole earth but in this case, uniquely to the nation of Israel. And so God commands this man, he's called by God, as it were, to come forth and be a herald of the greatest message that any of the prophets could ever declare. The Son of God has stepped foot on the earth out of heaven just as Jesus called Peter to come to him on the waters. John the Baptist has been called to come, to come forth and to come to the people, to come to the wilderness and dwell in the wilderness and there declare from the wilderness that this scene on earth is a wilderness and people now need to be called, need to be made ready to meet the Son of God. But what we find is not only is John called, as Peter was called, out of the boat, but from God's perspective, I now have to do a work among the people who have come under the sound of this message this herald, this news, this great news that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the heavens has drawn near to you and me, to these people. But the Holy Spirit also gives a witness. This is God giving a witness of this man whom he has called forth. And he says, this is he who has been spoken of through Isaiah the prophet, saying, the voice of one that cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of Jehovah. Make his paths straight. God called this man. We are told in those days John the Baptist came preaching. To the people, he just showed up on the scene. But from the vantage point of heaven, he was commanded to come forth, having been filled with the third person of the Trinity, declaring a message as the Spirit of God is using him to call the people to repentance, to call the people to a relationship with God, to call the people away from their ways, their selfishness, their wickedness, Their self centeredness. And they are called to meet God. And we are told in the same third chapter that not only did God call this man, but God moved the people. Now you say, well, the people came of their own accord. Well, they, they heard John's preaching and they decided, well, I'm going to go see this John. But we are told, then went out to him. So this is a result of what John had been doing, which was preparing the people to meet with God. And the Spirit of God went, if you will, ahead and began to prepare the hearts of the people. And we are told, then went out to him, Jerusalem and all Judea and all the surrounding country around the Jordan. And look at the result. They were baptized by John, confessing their sins. How do you know when God is in your midst, really? How do you know? It's very simple. There is a willingness to submit to the call, the dictates, the accountability that one has to God. There is a recognition that there are flaws within my moral character that is an offense to God. And there's an urgency to make it right with God. How do I know? Well, the Spirit of God is at work when a person wants to make it right with God. This is how you know the Holy Spirit is working in your life. You want to make it right with God. Now, it may result in making it right with people to make it right with God. You want to make it right. You want to have a clear conscience before God. You want your spirit to be free in his presence, to have the assurance of answered prayer. You want to make it right with God. And the people went out and they were baptized. They identified with the message The messenger, the purpose of his message, which is the kingdom of the heavens, has drawn near. They want to be ready to meet God. And they confessed their sins. They missed the mark, the calling that God had for them. They missed the mark. And they owned the fact that they missed the mark. This is how you know that God the Spirit was moving in the lives of these people. So he called John. He commanded him to come forth with a message, a holy message, a message, a call to turn, to repent like the prophets of old. But this was different. Now people were going to behold God the Son in flesh in their midst. And this message resonated with the people, and we are told they went forth. Jerusalem, Judea, the surrounding Jordanian Valley, towns surrounding the Jordan, and they witnessed to the world their world, their social circle by entering in the waters of John's baptism and acknowledging before God, I've come short. And my friend, how do you know that the Spirit of God is working in your life? Is it by a comparison to other people who may have fallen far shorter than you? No, my friend. It is a willingness to know the will of God as it is outlined in the scriptures. For example, we are told in Peter's writing that we are commanded to be holy for he is holy. And Peter says, if you invoke, if you call on God as your father, pass the time of your sojourn in reverence, in fear, recognizing God is holy. Holy. God has come down in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for you and me, he has come down yet again in the presence of his spirit indwelling us. And so God moved the people to repentance. But not only that, we are told later in the narrative That many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to John. And John had a very firm, stern warning and question for them. And he says, You are an offspring of vipers. You're the you're the you're snake babies. He says, Who has forewarned you to flee from the coming wrath? So, with the coming of the kingdom of God, with the coming of the kingdom of the heavens, in the presence of the Son, who has come as a man, who is walking on the earth out of the glories of heaven. John warns them that there are consequences for ignoring the importance of this message. And you say to yourself, well, John was commanded by God to come forth. And the Holy Spirit of God moved among the people and caused the people to go forth. So what about the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Were they commanded of God? Well, my friend, I want to take you back to the Garden of Eden. The idyllic circumstance, the idyllic environment for man. perfect place where all that man needed was provided for him. And add to that the the quintessential, most important benefit is that he walked with, fellowshiped with, communed with, talked with God in that garden. It was his privilege to spend uninterrupted, unhindered, untarnished time with life itself, the very source of life. But in the midst of that idyllic circumstance, the serpent was present. And some might say, well, why would God allow this if man will be a free, willing being, not a robot, But a moral creature, he must be able to choose to, of his own free will, obey the command of God. If that is taken away from him and he has no choice, he is not made in the image of God and he's not a moral being. He is not free to choose and God having made man in his image and likeness, has given him a free will with the intent that he will choose to love, honor, serve, and obey the God who created him. And in the same way, God allowed the moral circumstance, the choice, and the serpent to be in that garden to present to man another option, albeit a false option. Man was given clear injunctions, clear commands. In the day you eat of that forbidden fruit, you shall die. And in the same way that the people were moved by the Spirit of God to go to John, And John was commanded by God to come forth bearing a message, a good news, the kingdom of heavens. So too, these men have been allowed of God to be present. Just as the serpent was allowed of God to be present. Why? Because the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the naysayers, the doubters, the rejectors will have to be given the right to choose as well. And so John could say to these men, Do not think to say within yourselves, Abraham is our father. In other words, don't place all of your confidence in your uh, genetic uh, inheritance, if you will, your genealogy, your connection with Abraham. Because this same God who commanded John to come forth, who moved among the people and who moved among the Pharisees and allowed them to be present, is giving them an opportunity to see that God can make stones become the children of Abraham. He doesn't need these people. As important as they thought that they were, he doesn't need them. But what he wanted to tell them is the ax is applied to the root. Judgment is come. There's a decision that you have to make. Everyone has to make a decision when God calls you forth, commands you or moves you to come or allows you to be present to hear the message, you have a moral decision to make. As a devotee, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, are you going to pass the days of your sojourn in reverence to God, in walking with God, in meeting with God at the altar, in the closet, a time of communion, or are you just going to waste the precious days of your life living to yourself only to end your life, your service at the judgment seat of Christ, and to see all of your works consumed because it was what Paul calls wood, hay, and stubble straw. And when the holy fires of God tests the quality of your life and service, will it be found to be something precious, something that was done out of love for the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ? Or did you and I live our lives self-centeredly, selfishly, And so these men were warned that the axe is placed to the trees and every tree therefore not producing good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Here is the purpose of our lives as devotees of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is to bring forth fruit, evidence that there has been a change in my heart, a change in my life, Not the fact that I, quote unquote, go to church. That I'm sitting in a building among people who perhaps share uh, a similar uh, uh, belief, uh, uh, embrace a similar truth. It's not where I go, but what truth my heart embraces. What do I believe about the Son of God and about his ability to change Lives just as he said. And so John gives the warning to these men who came, the naysayers, the unbelieving men, who came to see and, uh, if you will, observe what people were doing in response to John's message. But what they couldn't recognize is that God was literally in the midst, commanding this man to come forth empowering this man by the indwelling Spirit to, to uh, proclaim this message, and the Spirit of God working in Jer- the, the people of Jerusalem in Judea and the surrounding Jordanian Valley to move their hearts, to evaluate themselves, to see that they've missed the mark, and to make it right with God. But these men, like the serpent in the garden, were not there to turn their hearts to God they were there to interfere with that process. And so John says that this same Son of God will perform a greater baptism, one that is of the Holy Spirit of God, not water, but by the Spirit of God, that when a man turns and receives the Lord Jesus and confesses him as Savior and Lord, as Son of God risen from the dead, that man will have been counted as being delivered from the presence, the consequences, the ultimate judgment for missing God's mark. He will have been to use the biblical parlance, saved. Saved from what? Judgment to come, the power of sin, that rebellious human nature from its power and grasp in their lives and transferred from darkness to light now being called a child of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, sealed, as Ephesians 1 tells us, by the Spirit of God. It is a glorious privilege that God has called us to. And then lastly, the narrative tells us that then comes Jesus from Galilee to be baptized of John. Now the irony is, Jesus had no flaws. Why? Because he was God, very God, clothed in human flesh, looking like an ordinary man. And he comes to participate in John's baptism. And John strictly forbid him to do so. And Jesus said to him, Suffer it to be so, for it's becoming of us to fulfill what is right. He called it righteousness. And we are told that Jesus, having been baptized, having come out of the water, the heavens were opened to him, and the Spirit of God descended upon him as a dove, and behold a voice out of the heavens saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I have found my delight. I'm well pleased with him. And here we have God working on the earth. The Father commanding the Son to come forth. And as the Son is coming, he commands the prophet in whom he has filled this prophet with his Holy Spirit to proclaim a word in the power of that self-same spirit. And that same Holy Spirit moves among Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem's inhabitants and Judea's inhabitants and the Jordanian Valley, moves among the people and brings an awareness that I have fallen short of God's high calling for my life. And they came to John owning the fact that they missed the mark and were willing to acknowledge that they're turning from their life, their wicked ways, the things that displeased God, entering the waters of baptism, and then confessing their sins. I have missed God's mark. And God allowing the Pharisees and the Sadducees to see this, he allowed them. Everyone was present. John commanded to come forth. The people moved upon by the Spirit of God. The enemies of the Son of God caused to be present, allowed to be present to witness the change that happens in people's lives. My friend, what has your life been like since you have claimed that the Son of God is your Lord and your Savior? What has your life been like? How long have you wasted in the wilderness not heeding the voice of the Spirit of God to come out of that wilderness and come to the water of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the Son of God himself says several things about himself. He says, Whosoever drinks of the water which I shall give him shall never thirst forever. But the water I shall give him shall become in him a fountain of water, springing up into eternal life, everlasting life. The Son of God has come forth to be baptized. The heavens have opened, and God the Father has audibly stated his delight in his Son, who is but the second of the Trinity, on earth, clothed in flesh, and sealed, filled with the Spirit of God without measure. And while on earth, he proclaims things about himself that he wants to be to you, water of life. He says, I want to be the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. And he that believes on me shall never thirst at any time. Have you fed your being on the bread of life that came down out of heaven? This is the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus even says, For himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Have you come, my friend? God has come down from heaven. We look up and we see blue skies, (laughs) but beyond those skies is a realm of glory where God dwells in his limitlessness, and heaven, we are told, cannot contain him. He is without boundaries. And yet he has passed through those blue skies, come down on earth and clothed himself, the Son of God, in flesh and makes promises to men that you and I can have a life far more abundant, far fuller, a thirst met, satisfied. Truth given to awaken our minds and our, our wills and our hearts. And he even said of himself that that on this account, the father loves him. Now, we know why the, the father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He says, on this account, the father loves me because I lay down my life. He's the divine substitute, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. God has come down in the person of the son, to be to you and me far more than we can ever achieve in this life. Nothing will be able to satisfy that thirst. Not going to church, albeit that is a good thing to do, to be in a company of other like believers, those who embrace the faith and the Son of God. But what God is calling you and me to is a life of communion, a life of fellowship, a life of meeting with him alone with God, as it were, beside still waters. The Lamb of God, who bridges the gulf between man and God. My friends, you can have a fuller life, a life with meaning, with purpose. It has nothing to do with your career path. It has nothing to do with the nest egg that you have amassed. It has to do with your relationship with God. Do you know him? Is being in his presence and having fellowship with him the high point of your life? Oh, my dear friend, we are looking at life on earth from the vantage point of heaven. A prophet who comes forth, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, John the Baptist, has been commanded to come forth, and he comes forth with a message that the kingdom of heaven has drawn near and men are commanded, called, urged to repent. And those who heard that message moved upon by the Spirit of God did not resist his call in their hearts and minds, but they came forth and they met John and they responded in obedience and witnessed to the world that they have passed from death to life. And they owned before God where they have fallen short. Have you, my friend? This is the secret to a happy heart. Owning before God. I've come short. We are told in John's writings, John 1 and 9, the, the, uh, John's letter to the churches, if we confess our sins, he, that is God, is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, a clean and clear conscience before God. And so we see that God even allows those who are naysayers, who don't believe this message to be present, would to God that our lives are a living witness, a testimony, evidencing that the Spirit of God has changed us. Oh, my friends, take time to come to God, to drink of the water of life that Jesus gives, to eat of the bread that is he himself that has been brought down, sent from heaven, to drink of him and find true satisfaction for our souls. I trust it will be this for you today as you quiet your heart and mind in the presence of God
0: Beside Still Waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.